Knowing the headlines isn't always enough. Sometimes you need to talk about it. For stimulating conversation on the day's hot topics, this is your station. This is your show, The Ryan Jesperson Show, on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. A good Monday morning to you. It's 9.06. As I was saying to Bruce Bowie just about 20 minutes ago, we're very excited for the show and we're happy to have you along for the ride. In just a second, I'm going to introduce you to our 6.30 Ched political correctness panel. I can't guarantee it'll be a politically correct panel, but we're going to talk about issues surrounding political correctness. In the 10 o'clock hour, we're going to meet those behind Edmonton's startup tap car. People are saying it's going to offer competition to Uber and obviously competition to cabs, but what sets tap car about what's it so different? What's the business model? Where are they going to achieve market share out of the gates like they say they're optimistic they will? That coming up right after 10 o'clock. Kelsey Wingarek, the producer of this show, back from, uh, well, quite frankly, being stranded in the Arctic. We'll get up to speed on her adventure after 10.30. And in the 11 o'clock hour in studio, uh, Archbishop Richard Smith will be talking about issues surrounding right-to-die legislation. We'll talk about legislation that Alberta school boards are being asked to implement, new inclusive policies, and we'll roll on from there. There are many things that we consider content-wise with this show. It essentially comes down to us, to what are people interested in? What do people want to know more about? What's important to people? Just a few days ago, we were taking a look at a story out of Newfoundland, the Royal Newfoundland Constabulatory, the policing agency there, released a PSA, a public service announcement, trying to keep the public safe against sexual assault, they say, without placing blame on victims of traumatic crimes. A tweet showed a martini glass and the message, don't be a victim. Well, the police were pounced upon. Critics saying it was a classic example of victim blaming. Another, though, asked whether the police would be admonished for advising swimmers to be cautious at a beach where sharks have been spotted. Are we expected to be too careful these days? Has the pendulum swung too far? Let's meet our panelists. Chris Henderson is a communications strategist and political advisor. In fact, he managed Mayor Don Iveson's campaign back in 2013. Chris, it's great to have you back in studio. Thanks very much, Ryan. Great to be back. Danny Paradis is a columnist with Metro Edmonton. In past, she's served as lead organizer of Edmonton's Slotwalk. Danny, great to have you back. Good morning, Ryan. Bear Lamont, a local artist. Bear, it's fair to call you an outspoken personality, the owner-operator at Bear's Skin Art. Welcome back to studio. Thanks, Ryan. Great to be here. Bear, has the pendulum swung too far? Absolutely. (laughs) We're done now. Now you're waiting for... We're we're done now. (laughs) It swung way too far. The funny thing about politically correct or political correctness at, at this point in time in society and culture is where does it cross the line into interfering with everything else you do in your life? If you have a specific opinion on something or a perspective of something, are you politically correct? And if not, are people no longer going to attend your business? Are they going to no longer talk to you? Are they going to pigeonhole you in one direction or another? Are you anti or are you pro? Yeah, it's ridiculous. But don't people have the right to make decisions based on your opinions? People should make the decisions based on their own opinions as opposed to the opinions of others. But if I don't like your opinion, I I then have the... uh, the opportunity not to 
not to frequent your business. You certainly could. It would be interesting, that's however. My, that's my free right as a person. Absolutely. Do you do you consider the expertise of a business as opposed to the opinion of the owner of the business? Well, when I have choice among, uh, when I have choice within your market as to uh, various expertise, then I have to go to other criteria. So if someone is as good as what you do, if someone else is as good as what you do, I might look at some other kind of criteria and, you know, look at what kind of business I'd like to support. Danny, the slot walk movement started several years ago after, in 2011, Toronto Police Constable Michael Sanguinetti told a group of university students that if they didn't want to be raped, they should, quote, avoid dressing like sluts. Obviously, the Toronto police came under fire for this, and it prompted a movement that maybe not everybody's familiar with. Can you bring us up to speed on that and then maybe offer your insight on why it was important? Sure. So Slut Walk, uh, we call the Walk to End Victim Blaming. It addresses the uh, comments of the police officer, but uh, more broadly, it addresses the idea in our culture that uh, what a woman could wear or the actions of a woman and men uh, could lead to sexual assault. We get to a point where I think as a society we want to be reasonable people. We want to be considerate people. We want to care about how others feel, what others think. But it's got to a point now where someone can utter the phrase, I'm offended, and it's almost as though conversation is expected to stop. So how should we conduct ourselves? How should we decide how we carry ourselves, the words we use, and what our perspectives can be in exploring how we feel about things? Well, actually, I kind of do agree with with Bear. I think I'm not sure that it has gone too far yet, but I think we're in danger of political correctness going too far. And let me explain that a little bit. I think that as a society, our ability to progress and to to move forward is basically... Uh, predicated on our ability to have good debates and understand one another. Um, I think that the era of, particularly with you know social media and and being so interconnected with with you know multiple twenty four hour news channels, um, mm. it provi- or has a tendency to if someone crosses the line to put them in political correctness jail and and not want to hear from them. Those people these these are people that we need to hear from. They need to be able to engage with with people whose perspectives they don't share so they can actually understand them. Otherwise, you know, you're just shutting them down and and expecting them to fall in line, uh, which they probably will never do. And and in the long run, I think that's going to... uh, that'll that'll damage our ability to, to progress as a society. Completely agree. If you don't have that opportunity to express yourself without the political police jumping all over your case, then you really haven't expressed how you view things and how the world may be. The the unique part about opinions is everybody has one. The other unique part about that is if you can accommodate someone else's opinion or even take on some of their perspectives, it gives you the the ability to see things from their side, see see life from their perspective. If we all take a moment to step into someone else's shoes, then we can realize those things. It's like you spoke about the victims being the victim, and really it's their fault that they're the victim. I mean, I don't even understand how that logic can even be perceived. But there are people who really believe that by your conduct, by your attitude, by what you do, by how you present yourself, that's what dictates what's going to be the outcome for your life. So when we have conversations on, on in a platform like this, on a talk show like this, oftentimes, you know, I mean, society gets to a point now where commentators are held accountable. And whether they're professional or amateur commentators, for that matter, you're expected to check your privilege. In some instances, you're expected to issue things like trigger warnings. Danny, is this a positive 
Um, well, the thing about political correctness is there's no real agreed upon term. We mean all kinds of things when we talk about political correctness. So the word became really popular in the 1990s with the book Illiberal Education. Uh, illiberal. Illiberal There's education. our first problem right there. <laughs> uh, so the uh, it, it now typically tends to mean liberals. It tends to mean left-minded people. Uh, and it, it came of use right after the fall of communism and the Berlin Wall. And it, it's really an insult. It's meant, or it was intended originally, as an insult from the right wing to the left wing. So when we talk about political correctness, I think it's important to keep in mind uh, that it is a tool of shutting down conversation as well. It's a way of chastising people, uh, often young university students, uh, for expressing their opinions. Speaking of university students, well-known comedian Jerry Seinfeld offered commentary to Colin Cowherd then at ESPN Radio on why Seinfeld won't even play college campuses anymore. This is what he had to say. I don't play colleges, but I hear a lot of people tell me, don't go near colleges. They're so PC. Hey, I'll give you an example. My daughter's 14. Uh, my mother, my mother, my wife says to her, um, well, you know, in the next couple of years, I, I think maybe you're going to want to hang around the city more on the weekends so you can see boys. You know, my daughter says, she says, that's sexist. Isn't that, you know, it's amazing. That, they, they, they just want to use these words. That's racist. That's sexist. That's prejudiced. They don't even know what they're talking about. That was Jerry Seinfeld in June of last year. You know, a lot of people that'll write into this show or text into 630-630, when we talk about things like Canada's immigration policy, feel like they have to qualify their statements by, I'm not a racist, but... Nothing good ever comes after that. (laughs) Now, some of the comments that come in, quite frankly, are. Others, maybe not so much. Are words like racist or bigot? thrown around too freely these days or do they fit i think we'd throw fascist around a little too much these days i think we do throw racist around a little bit too much i think that uh, i think that you can use uh i mean it's just like that's a term you can use to shut shut somebody down and, and get them to to back off rather than actually engage them in a discussion um the if you talk to a 15-year-old boy who, who used the word gay as a pejorative, uh, you probably wouldn't consider that kid a homophobe. You, but you would, you would see that as an opportunity to educate them about how that makes people, you know, or if they use you know, a worse word, you could use that as an opportunity to educate them about what, what that word means to some people, how it affects certain people, what's, you know, how, you know, the, the isolation that it, that it creates, you'd never consider that person a homophobe uh, because you would under, or because as a 15 year old you'd think, well, they don't totally understand what they're doing. They're growing up. They're still forming their opinions around these things. Um, you know, I think we do need to still extend that to to fully formed adults that that just might not understand. They might not have the kinds of experiences that we expect them to have to treat people with the the kind of respect that we expect them to treat people with. Barry, you're quite outspoken in your perspective on Canada's immigration policy. I mean, you wear your heart on your sleeve with regards to that. And as far as I understand it, it might have something to do with your background. You know, I think that's very true. The the word bigot or, 
you know, being prejudiced about something, really, there are sort of two sides to that. You can you can be completely uneducated. <clears throat> now, when I say uneducated, I mean not necessarily going to school, but maybe personal, practical, real-life experience and have an opinion on something that you have absolutely no experience with. That I would, you know, tend to lean towards the whole word or phrase of bigot. If you've ever been anywhere and lived in an, an existence where you're well aware of a cultural, societal, whatever opinion it is, and you've experienced it firsthand, then really I don't find your opinion is isolated or shutting anyone down in a conversation. It's based on real world, real world experience. I've got some of that. You know, I mean, certainly there is that telltale phrase of, you know, oh, we can't really, you know, tell these people that they come to, can't come to Canada. We really can't talk about this. We, you know, squash it in the newspaper or if someone offers an opinion and expresses their perspective, then they are a bigot because, well, you just don't like these people or whatever it may be. Opinions are often based on real world experience. And, and like you said, Chris, take a moment to, you know, educate that individual or take a moment to listen to their perspective and figure out where they're coming from before you can just blanket someone based on their opinion. Well, let me get this a little bit more focused, Stephen. I think Sometimes, especially right now in the context of, of Canada's plan to, to welcome Syrian refugees on an accelerated timeline, you need to be able to talk about things like cultural sensitivities and, and, and maybe a cultural reset that may have to occur. We know that initiatives like that are planned or are in place to help educate new Canadians arriving from Syria and other areas of the Middle East on what expectations are. Now, to paint an entire religious faith with one brush, I think everyone could probably agree is unfair. So what is fair when it comes to perspective? What do we need to be able to talk about openly and freely, even though it might feel a little bit uncomfortable? That's where we'll pick up with Chris Henderson, Danny Parody, and Bear Lamont right after this. It's our 6.30 Ched political correctness panel with Metro Edmonton columnist Danny Parody, communications and advisor and political advisor Chris Henderson, uh, communications strategist, I should say, and local artist Bear Lamont. You know Dr. Bob Murray, a political scientist that appears on this show from time to time. Bob, listening in to the show this morning, says, as someone who's been called every name in the book by providing expert commentary on controversial issues, I can truly say we throw important accusations around way too freely as a way of delegitimizing the opinion of someone we disagree with without having to engage them on the merits of the argument. It's kind of been suggested in this panel that that's already a way of essentially throwing a roadblock in front of healthy debate. Have we lost the ability to have tough conversations as a society? Well, okay. Look, I mean, look at the look at you know. There was a time when when the government announced that it was going to take in you know X number of refugees by December 30th or December 31st. You know, there if you look at. I mean, I looked at my Facebook feed, my Twitter feed, and, you know, I'd see people that I knew personally, you know, didn't have a racist or bigoted bone in their body saying, I don't think this is a good idea. I think that the government's not ready for it. I think that we're not prepared. We're not going to bring, you know, we're going to bring Syrian refugees to this country. We're going to have nowhere to put them. We're going to have nowhere to, you know, we're just not ready. Like, we're not going to do the refugees a, a, a good service by bringing them here. And, uh, you know, and, and you know, there are merits to that argument, and there are, uh, there are, their oppositions to that argument, but uh, 
but I just kept seeing people getting attacked as as a racist or a bigot because they were using you know a a policy position to mask their racism or bigotry, which there's no evidence of whatsoever. Now, if you say I don't like brown people and I don't want brown people coming to this country and and or that you know every Syrian refugee is a potential terrorist and we can't have them in this country and we can't have terrorists in this country, which I mean obviously we can't, but we can't have Syrian refugees in this country because you know that we're we're putting ourselves at risk of terrorism. I, I think that's wrong. But the you know being able to say I don't think that the government is prepared to bring these people here. I don't think that's wrong. Five percent. If we had five percent are known terrorists or five percent are extremists, then we have a problem of five percent. What's five percent of twenty thousand? Yeah, but if we had five percent, but like what evidence do we have that even zero point five percent are terrorists or extremists? Well, let's. I mean, yeah. the, the Cato Institute did a study of. <laughs> Uh, and the Cato Institute, which is like a right-wing think tank in the right. United States, did a study or did an analysis of, of refugees accepted in the United States, and they couldn't find anybody that had been arrested for extremist activity. Like, and like out of 290,000 people. Where did all those 290,000 people come from? I think they came from the Middle or I think they came from the Middle East. They came right. from Europe. How many countries in the Middle East have a sustainable and su substantial enough government for some group to have, you know, the ability to actually provide proper and real life statistics to prove yay or nay against those numbers? I mean, you, you said right. I'm, I'm, out, I'm outspoken. You're right. I don't personally think that we should have refugees in our country that are going to put our country and the people of our country at risk. But you have no evidence that they're going to put the people of our country at risk. Well, I think we've seen that in lots of places in the world. We have a problem. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm going to blanket, like you say, paint every single Muslim exactly the same way. But, but really, what we've got is we've got potential. And if we've got potential, we have to address that. How you address that is where we become politically correct or incorrect, once again. It's, you know, you're talking about that, the walk that you that you have and the fact that a law enforcement agency can say, well, it's the way that the girl dressed. Well, can we paint that picture? Is that a, a viable perspective? I mean, can a law enforcement officer say, well, you know, she got raped because she was dressed like that? Well, maybe she was, maybe that had a, a point, but really, where, where can you make that decision? Where can you say that that's the truth? That's a fact. That's a guy's opinion. It's an opinion that also um, prevents women from being able to press charges against people that have sexually assaulted them. Uh, and speaking of, uh, if one thing that Cologne, Germany has taught me, it's that uh, sexual assault t tends to be taken very seriously if it's perpetrated by migrants or Muslims, but it tends to not be taken seriously when it happens in our own country through um, with Canadians. Just kind of let that simmer yeah, for a second. Well, and, and you mean that because there was that an incident where there was some sort of like mass sexual assaulting yeah. in, in Cologne, Germany, and and there was a lot of outcry here about Huge. about how oh okay well that, here's evidence that we can't bring refugees over here because they won't act but they won't act uh, they won't behave properly. But when we look at at uh, conviction so, yeah when we look at conviction rates in Canada from you know like you know. You know, native or not native? Sorry, the for the current Canadian, Canadian citizens. Excuse me. Uh, they um, we don't take that as seriously. No, we don't. We look for reasons to justify it. Well, and and what about? I mean, the assertion. You know, and 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 many listeners to this show would chime into the show saying, "Why aren't you spending more time talking about Cologne, Germany, and the obvious fact that it's Muslim men that are sexually assaulting women?" And we brought in, we did a religious roundtable here uh, quite some time ago with with religious leaders from the Christian, Muslim, and Jewish faiths, and and the Muslim leader sat in here and and time and time and time again asserted that Islam is a religion of peace, and he cited passage after passage in the in 
the Quran. Yet at the same time, don't you need to be able to have an honest conversation about the, the, the pretty obvious observation we can make that many of the acts of terrorism that are committed today are committed by Muslim extremists? I mean, even, even, in, even in throwing that out there as a question to you all, I find that I'm treading very carefully for obvious reasons. <laughs> There's that political correctness statement again, right? I mean, you really can't come out and say what you want to say because somebody else is going to judge you for that and make a choice or a decision as to whether they're going to patronize your business or whether they're ever going to talk to you again because they'll just call you a bigot. And as you said, Chris, there's the blanket statement to shut the conversation off. But it sounds to me as though you're saying, Bear, that like you might stop yourself from saying something because you're afraid people might not come get tattooed at your tattoo shop anymore. But I know you personally, and I know that you're not afraid to speak your mind. So, I mean, where's your head at on that whole process? Very good question, and that's exactly it. Before I left that house this morning my wife told me to be careful now no I'm just kidding where do you draw that line do I care whether clients come to me or not because they don't like my personal opinion quite frankly not really um, do I have a strong opinion about a lot of things yes I do do I think rape is something that should be accepted in any culture or religion or religious space or any country absolutely not we're all wound up about one particular facet that the media feeds us and so we're gonna run with that because that's the cause we need to stand on our text line is uh, blowing up blowing up right now, and I think that that's where we'll go right after these news headlines. We'll give you the floor. If you have a thought you'd like to contribute to our discussion on political correctness, you can text it in right now to 630-630. We'll be back with Danny Parody, Chris Henderson, and Bear Lamont in just a few minutes. This is The Ryan Jesperson Show on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. It's a political correctness panel to kick off the week. And I've just chastised them all for being too careful. <laughs> Bear Lamont in studio, a local artist. Daddy Parody, a columnist with Metro Edmonton. And Chris Henderson, a communications strategist and political advisor. I kid about being too careful, but it kind of reiterates the entire point of this entire panel conversation. On the text line to 630-630, a listener here says, what do you think about Donald Trump and his statement about not having time for political correctness? The Trump case study can't be ignored. Is the fact that he is completely politically incorrect the reason why his numbers are so high, Chris? I mean, you're a political strategist. Mm. Well, I think that Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders are essentially the same guy on, <laughs> on, no, on, on no, seriously, on opposite ends of the political spectrum. They're both tapping into an anger about the way that American society is developing that uh, just two different kinds of anger. I mean, the problem with Donald Trump is that Donald Trump is a uh, a ridiculous opportunist rather than than a, an actual politician. I think that if, if he felt that political correctness was the way to get votes, he would go and he'd be as, he'd chastise other people for not being politically correct. So I think he has, uh, I mean, uh, Donald Trump, you, you're right, you can't ignore it. He, you know, he said some incredibly shocking things. Uh, his, uh, his assertion that we shouldn't let any Muslims into the country is, you know, is unbelievable and ridiculous. That would, that would, for instance, prevent uh, Nahed Nenshi from being able to go into the United States on a, on a trade mission. Um, but, um, uh, he, but he, I mean, he's just, uh, he's just a horse's patoot. That's what he is. And, and he's just throwing this, this crap but out there. But if he's a horse's patoot, what does it say about all the people that are going to vote for him, Chris? I mean, he could be I, the Republican nominee. He could be the Republican nominee. He is, but, uh, but those people are just fed up. I, unbelievably, those people are fed up with elitist, rich, uh, 
the, the the elitist rich political class so they're going to turn to the leader of the elitist rich business class uh, but he's he's just tapping into something uh, some anger that uh, that that uh, that the American public is feeling right now. He's very good at it. He might be running the best political campaign of all time right now from a technical perspective. Danny, what are your thoughts on Donald Trump? Um. <laughs> Go, Danny, come on. <laughs> I, I mean, I thought I thought it was... Uh, I didn't think it was going to last for as long as it has, so I, I don't really know what to do with that. Um, <laughs> yes, he's definitely tapping into the kind of the anti-PC culture. Again, I, I've spoken about this earlier in the show it's in, it was intended as a r- insult from the right to the left it's a very easy way of shutting down conversations about uh, about politics about uh, the views of leftists so uh, Donald Trump is really just following in the tradition of a lot of other people who like to use political correctness uh, as a slur against progressives I like, I like Donald Trump. I think he's an awesome guy. He's a businessman. There's all Why? kinds of components about him that I think are really out there. And I think that part of what happens, and, and you're talking about that, that change from PC perspectives and how that's how that's evolving, I think people are really, really tired of the rhetoric. I think they're tired of being fed the same garbage from, as you say, the, the politically elite, the, the, the rich in that direction, and they're, and they're tired of it. And because they're so tired, it's they're going to go for an extreme. The, the problem that I have with Donald Trump is the, Donald, the, the essential conceit of Donald Trump is that he truly believes that voters are stupid people. You know what I think? You're, and that you can absolutely right. And that you I can think tap Mr. Into, Trudeau has got the same mentality. I, do, I don't think that Mr. Trudeau has the same mentality. <laughs> I think that Sunny ways? I, I, well, okay. Like it's it's easy to be cynical about about something like Sunny Ways and it's No, I like Sunny Ways. And, and, and you can look at or a drama uh, teacher. I mean, I, I, Mr. Trudeau has a has a particular style. I, I think he genuinely respects voters. Whether you whether you know, I don't agree with everything that he that he says. But like Donald Trump really believes that, and there's a few local politicians that believe that that uh, you know in Alberta and in, and even in Edmonton that uh, that believe that voters are stupid. And if you can you can talk to them and you you can't engage them in an actual debate you just throw buzzwords at them and you and you try and tap into their emotional core rather than getting uh rather than asking them for their opinion and 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 uh what, and engaging them what municipal or provincial politician thinks that their constituents def- are I'm, stupid i'm definitely not going to answer that question <laughs> <laughs> we what? do live well, in okay, a politically uh, correct okay, that's the, why uh, and okay um no, no, I'm not going <laughs> to. Okay, no, I think, I think. Hey, let me give you an example. Yeah. Let me throw an example in front of you all. This in the last provincial election, mm. Rick Strankman found himself criticized for a fundraiser that was going down in his constituency, his rural constituency, where a group of well-meaning senior citizens uh, invited. Uh, you know, rural residents to a to essentially a, a social, a pie social, and and the poster read in this rural community, "Bring your wife's pie." Now, <laughs> right, it was unfortunate wording, obviously, but Mr. Strangman and his campaign team were accused of being sexist right. for throwing this out there. Now, if you talk to probably the majority of residents in that community, and I know because I heard from a whole bunch of them. They were asking, what's the big deal? But this became a big deal. Is a poster like that a big deal, Danny? No. <laughs> I mean, it's 
it's all context dependent. If we forget context, we, mm. we just uh, it, it, we devolve into nothing at all, like this conversation. So is it a big deal to have a poster that says "Bring your wife's pie"? Well, not in and of itself. Uh, is it sexist to assume that only women make pies or that it's the role of women to make pies? Uh, sure, if we're talking about chaining your wife to the stove, I would consider that a problem. But I make pretty good pie. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I would like to bake a pie, but if my wife was better at it, then that'd be great. I sort of, I mean, I got, when I first saw the poster, I went, uh, but at the same time, I kind of, I mean, the common sense part of me went, is this really that big of a deal? Well, I think it allowed people to tap into what they felt were backward attitudes on the, on the Wild Rose parties. Part. Oh yeah, it's a good. Uh, I would definitely, if I was a campaign strategist, have leveraged that as sexist. Of course. Yeah. So is that irresponsible? That's politics. Capitalizing on a moment—that's what that is. Well, that's but uh, I mean, I, I think you know whether you, even though it's something that's totally acceptable in in you know and even tradition in in a community like that, it uh, it'll it would allow political strategists to say, "Do you want this Alberta or do you want my Alberta?" And maybe my Alberta is. You know, one where women aren't expected to bake pies for contests. Everybody makes pies. Everybody makes, yeah, where yeah, where everyone makes. Oh, a pie. let's all make pies. <laughs> Our family will make a pie, and we will bring it. Like the <laughs> listener um, here says, take a look at you know some of the rampant activity that's going on in the states. The rampant terrorism. If it's a white Christian, it's called a shooting spree. If it's a person of color or a person of a different faith, it's labeled as terrorism. Look at American history. There are more white Christian terrorists than any other race or religion. I will tell you that the right now, nothing frightens me more than uh, entitled, disaffected white men wearing, you know, mask and a camouflage. And camouflage. I... I'm genuinely, like, those are the only people that frighten me now. You should come to some of the places I've been, buddy, because those people don't frighten me at all. We'll be back with Bear Lamont, Danny Parody, and Chris Henderson right after this. You're listening to The Ryan Jesperson Show on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. It's our 630 Chad political correctness panel. I owe Bear an apology. I've been mispronouncing your last name the entire first half of this. It's it's Bear Lamont, That's correct. which is Scottish, That's right. as opposed to Lamont, which would be French. Exactly. Chris Henderson, also in the house, a communications strategist, political advisor, and Danny Parody, a columnist with Metro Edmonton on the text line to 630-630. Uh, Morinville Joe says, count me as one of those who's really sick of political correctness. We expect our politicians to give us straightforward answers without deliberating in their mind for minutes before giving us that answer. However... If they slip up in what they say, we're there to crucify them. I don't really expect that politicians are going to give straightforward answers. I don't know when. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know when politicians have been giving straight answers. Yeah, uh, on the whole, no kidding. Ralph Klein wasn't afraid to speak his mind from time to time. It got him in hot water all the time, constantly. He's probably one of Canada's most politically incorrect premiers in history. Another premier, former premier, Ujjal Dosanjh, wrote a piece in the National Post just a short time ago. The headline reads, by silencing white men, Canada can't have an honest debate about equality, race, and culture. He wrote, it seems some of us have so thoroughly shamed white men into complete submission regarding our misplaced belief that Canada has no core identity or core values, so much so that even our prime minister won't defend what was dear to his own father, what he fought so hard for. On matters of race, religion, culture, and national identity of Canada, the white men are reduced to either silence or non sequiturs. 
If the white men of Canada can't overcome the fear of rebuke from the enforcers of fear, Canadians can't ever have an honest debate about the state of equality, race, culture, and the place and space for religion and other languages in Canada. So I've been trying to silence white men for years, and it just does not work. <laughs> they will not be quiet. The, I think by silencing anybody, we're we're going to we're going to shut down that debate, and we're going to. I, I'm not sure that it's just white men, but I think white men are like as a you know relatively well-off white man myself. Uh, I have never in my life experienced any kind of of racism or or any kind of like I've I've never been really discriminated against in, the, in any way that I can really feel. I'm the kind of person that you need to help or that you need to educate on, you know, transgender issues, on what it's like to be, uh, you know, a black male in Chicago, what it's like. I need to hear those perspectives so that I can understand the world around me and I can help people or I can act, treat people with the respect that they deserve. Later on in this broadcast, right after 11 o'clock today, we're going to be talking to Edmonton Archbishop Richard Smith. And one of the things we'll talk about is uh, the new inclusive policies that the 61 school boards in Alberta are expected to implement by next month. There's been talk about things like gender-neutral washrooms and transgender policy or more inclusive policy lately, and I think a lot of people are at a point where they're afraid to even ask basic questions for fear of coming across as ignorant. Do you get the same impression? Absolutely. Ryan's looking at me for a comment. (laughs) You know, this whole gender equality, again, we get back to that statement. How far does this go? How far do we go before, you know, some white guy feels like he's, you know, being ostracized by the rest of society and cultures because we're not going to conform? We're not allowed our opinions. I don't think in my entire life on this earth I will ever feel ostracized by or or discriminated against. I think that's, that's part of the point, though, is that you've got, like... Today's children are very different, with, and I think we can serve them better by providing them tra- or, you know, gender-neutral washrooms and providing them a safe space in their own school for, uh, to, to cater to their sexual orientation. I don't think that that's unreasonable. What, what we're, the problem with political, sorry, political correctness is uh, everybody needs to be treated with respect and everybody needs to be free from fear that their liberty and their uh, and their safety will be trampled upon and I think that's what these poli- these gender neutral or these uh, the policies that the school boards are being enforced or forced to put into place are, are attempting to do that you know today's children are very different different uh, they they view gender differently they view you know they view homosexuality differently than, than even my generation and certainly the generation before me. These are the same school boards, sorry to interrupt, who impose upon a private education facility that does not cater to any religious perspectives whatsoever and someone of Islamic descent comes into that school and tends then can somehow sue the school because you know, there's something that doesn't correspond to their religious You're talking about this, was it called Weber Academy, yeah, I think, exactly. down in Calgary, Barrett? Right. This, this was where the, the school was, was essentially, it, it had to do with a, one family's request to provide a facility that their students, that their children could pray in. Exactly. Uh, it happened to be a Muslim family, right. and the school refused, and, and this is something that's been widely reported from some conservative media sources. Exactly. So here we have an institution that has to change their plan specifically based because they've been forced by one individual or a small group of individuals to change their entire policy for their school because of that. I, I don't find that acceptable. If you came to this place, you knew what the criteria was, then that's how it is. If you didn't like it, go somewhere else. But a school, even a private one, 
is not a business. Uh, you know that we are expected. They, you know, they have that school has to provide the same, uh, the same curriculum, the Alberta curriculum that the government, that the government dictates to their students. It has to satisfy that, and it has to satisfy certain types of treatment for each student. And if you're talking about protecting groups, oftentimes it would be minority groups. You can't necessarily go with a majority rules perspective on legislation, can you? I mean, what do you tell the parents right now that are furious? Like, let's say, as an example, Catholic parents that are saying this policy flies in the face of our beliefs. We are having this imposed upon us, and it directly flies in the face of our rights, our rights of religious belief. Absolutely. Those schools are publicly funded. Yeah, if you want public funding, you have to follow You have to follow rules. public rules. Like, so who influences the public rule? Who makes that decision? What minority imposes that upon a, another majority? The, the charter of the government of the day that was elected by a majority of people. Right. I mean, like, the, the, like, the gov- like our governments, the reason we have a democracy is so that our governments can act with authority on the beliefs of the electorate. Which they don't. Which they do. Which they totally do, otherwise they wouldn't be the government. I mean, we have separate school funding as it is. We, we make tons of accommodations in Alberta. That's why we have the private school system, which is the Catholic school system. You want to talk about accommodations for people on public dollars. We'll be back to wrap with Danny Parody, Chris Henderson, and Bear Lamont right after this. Bear Lamont, Chris Henderson, Danny Parody in studio. A discussion on political correctness. Steve on the text line to 630-630 says, you know, a good exercise to try out is swapping out terminology. So instead of saying politically correct, try saying treating people with respect. And then ask yourself if your actions and words are treating everyone with respect. That's the big issue with regards to PC culture, says Steve. It's not about being offended. It's about being respected. And that's a fair request. I agree. That's a nice way of putting it. Yeah, I That's totally a great agree. Way to, great way to put it. You know, so I, th- I think, you know, you get to a point where you go, how do I want to conduct myself? I never want to be, and, and I mean, it serves me well, I suppose, in, in doing this as a job. You never want to be too afraid to ask questions. And so I never want to be too afraid to walk up to someone and say, listen, I might not totally understand where you're coming from, but I'm open to hearing more about it. You know, and I just hope that we haven't lost that ability as a society to say, you know, we disagree quite clearly at the onset of a conversation. We may disagree at the end of it, but at least we've explored some ideas. Yeah, and I think, and and, and, to an, and I think the way that, particularly with being so interconnected and being able to like really shame people on social media, I think we're in danger of losing that. I'm not sure we have lost it, but I think we are definitely in danger of losing it of the ability to to engage one another in rational conversation and and discussion. A school in Toronto known as the Harris Institute, just 80 students, it's a music production school, has implemented uh, a ban on political correctness. The college president, John Harris, says, I've experienced and followed with great concern the increasingly disruptive challenges that post-secondary educators are facing with political correctness issues. In my view, the most valuable aspect of post-secondary education is being undermined. You think it's the right move? Absolutely. It is the right move. Put it all aside. I think that, you know, as, as Chris just said, if we retain, and you just said, if we retain that respect for one another as basic human beings, we all bleed the same. We all die the same. We're all going to come out of this at the end dead. Really, what we need to do is pay the respect to the individual, express your opinion, and be prepared to accept that opinion or not accept that opinion. That doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to hate you for forever, but I'm, I'm going to have a different opinion than you, and that should be okay. Hmm. 
I don't think banning... What are you banning when you're banning political... They're essentially banning outcries or dispute over differing opinions. You know, George Orwell said, if liberty means anything at all, it means the right to tell people what they don't want to hear. So I don't see how banning political correctness is going to bring you any closer to having honest conversations. I don't don't actually see banning political correctness as being any different than political correctness. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's like being intolerant of intolerance. It's, yeah, if you're intolerant of intolerance, you still don't get to have those conversations about you know if some student has a, 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 has an outcry about something that the, the professor said, they should be able to talk to their professor about it, and help their professor understand or help or be or understand their professor's perspective. It's ridiculous. We wanted to kick this ball around for an hour. Appreciate the conversation here with the three of you. Thanks for bringing uh, as much of a candid conversation to the table as could be expected on something like this. Bear Laman, it's great to see you. Thank you very much. Bear's Skin Art on 124th Street is where Bear makes his living. Danny Parody, of course, writes a column for Metro Edmonton. It's great to see you. Didn't swear on the radio. Very well done. <laughs> and Chris Henderson, always a pleasure. Thank you very much. Nice to catch up. News is coming right up. Then we'll sit down with... Tap car, an Edmonton grown alternative to Uber, and of course, alternative to taxis. And we're just a half hour away from details on why Kelsey Wingarek was stranded up in the Arctic for a week. That's coming up here on 630 Ched.